When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to the Bleacher Connection with your host, Ken and Trevor. Unfortunately, today, Trevor will not be with us. But as always, you can find us on social media. Trevor's at the BleacherCon 1. I'm at the BleacherCon 2. And today we have a special guest on to talk CFL football. Today joining me is Greg James from the 55-Yard Line podcast. We're going to talk all things football. Greg, welcome to the Bleacher Connection. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, happy to come on. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Just uh, before we get into the, the football talk, you know, uh, yourself and your family staying healthy and safe during the, the pandemic here? Oh, yeah, we're both. Uh, everything's good at home. Whole family's fully vaccinated. And we've all uh, we've all managed to get through this without uh, without anybody having to go to the hospital. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's been a bit of a crazy time. We're slowly getting there here in Canada. It, uh, uh, it's I got my first shot. Wife's got hers. I was waiting on the. Uh, the second one now so it'll be be good once things can slowly start getting back to a little bit uh a little bit normal so we say we'll hopefully be able to get back into watching some football in person sooner than later hopefully sooner <laughs> yeah so one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on and have the conversation with you about the cfl and football is that you're from chicago and a huge cfl fan so we're just what drew you to the league and its history um the underdog status, I think, of the league is what drew me in. As you know, going back many, many years ago, before we could even watch CFL games, I knew about CFL. I learned about the CFL from the library as a kid, and being a very avid reader of sports books and sports periodicals, got to know the CFL that way. And uh, when we finally were able to get games here in the last fifteen years. Uh, there, I've watched pretty much every game of every season that's been available on TV. So, yeah, that's the one thing about the CFL is it's very, it draws you in. It, it's a great game. I think the three downs is good. I like the speed of the game, and no game is really ever over until that final whistle goes. And it's there's a lot of, I mean, if we're talking about the history. There's a lot of rich history in the in the CFL, and you know, we'll kind of we'll get to it in a bit, but there's a lot of people that are really worried about the history of the game with what's going on right now. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how long that lasts for. I think that, I think the CFL is going to, going to after this whole pandemic is finally over and we're able to get life back to normal. I think the CFL will come back strong. Now, which form that will take, we don't know, but I just think this is a momentary blip momentary blip for sports in general that uh you know once we're all past this then we'll look back at this time period as being truly a defining moment for not only the cfl but for other sports in general absolutely i think i mean with the history of the league this isn't necessarily the first time that there's been some financial trouble and questions around the league too it's uh unfortunately not the first time but hopefully it's one of the last times that we have to kind of wonder what's going on at least hopefully one of the last times in our lifetime. And uh, given everything that's happened in the last, how many months are we into this now? A lot of lessons I'm sure have been learned that will be avoided in the future. Or I'm sorry, a lot of things will be avoided, problems will be avoided in the future. Yeah, that definitely, there's a lot to learn from this for sure. 
Now, speaking of that, we've had two, we the CFL draft is, has come and gone as has the NFL draft. What are your thoughts on, on how those, both those drafts went, like, you know, say for the CFL, um, can the CFL learn from anything from the, what the NFL does with the draft? Well, I think the CFL could learn more from the NFL, the show business part of it. Because Absolutely. here, it's when the NFL draft is on, you cannot avoid it on any of the sports channels. And there is that element, the NFL has turned, has made football at 24. I'm sorry. The NFL has made football a 12 month a year event. Or, yeah, 12 month a year event. I apologize. Whereas the CFL, you, the CFL has downtime that you just don't hear anything about the CFL. So I think that's where the CFL can learn from the NFL. I did not watch the CFL draft this year. Then again, I didn't watch the NFL draft, but I did follow it on social. I've followed both on social media. And I think the CFL, if it's going to expand and if the CFL is going to become more popular in the future, it needs to learn lessons from the NFL. And I hate saying that, but I think, I think that's a very, I think it's true. That's what they need to do moving forward. Yeah. I think the one thing with the, the CFL has to kind of grow with is partially trying to get that younger demographic because the younger football fans aren't necessarily looking to the CFL. They're looking to this, especially in Canada, they're looking to the South and they're looking to the NFL. And I think, the players are more, the, some of the, a lot of the players, you know, we've actually had a chance to talk to a few of them uh, not too long ago. You know, we've had Derek Dennis on uh, TJ Lee. We talked to Kelly Bates, you know, those guys are good. Like they're active on social media and so, so are others, but I think the, the teams do a lot more PR for the players and get them out there as well in the NFL in the CFL. I think the players are on their own. They do a lot of their own stuff and the, the teams are putting things out but it's just one of those things that they got to keep finding ways to grow and get that younger audience. I agree. I agree. And we live in a day and age now where publicity is, is a lot costs a lot less than it used to. Like for me back in the seventies and eighties, when I grew up with Twitter and with social media and with Facebook, it's easier to get your name out there. And I agree. The league has, has not, at least in my opinion, has not done what it needs to do to promote itself. Now, a lot of the individual teams do a pretty good job, but with that said, they, the, the CFL needs to do more. And like you said, attracting the younger, the younger audience, I use the example of Madden. I mean, Madden is a platform. The reason I think, in my opinion, the NFL is so popular with the younger generation here is because of video games. Absolutely. Esports is huge. And if you could get in there, that would be, you'd be massive. I think if there was a a CFL football game available on Xbox, PlayStation, whatever, I I would have it in a heartbeat. I think that, you know, like that's, that would be huge. Yeah. Well, and 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 kind of the sad thing is there was up until recently a CFL or a Canadian football game available for your PlayStation and your Xbox. The problem being is that game that was made by Canuck Canuck Games recently, they recently went out of business and the game itself, it's a good game, but the graphics are say 2000 rather than Mm. 2020. So, I mean, while the game might be fun to play for those who are hardcore gamers and truly like you and I are very big Canadian, Canadian football fans, the game was not designed to attract the younger, curious-minded, you know, I'll use my nephews as an example. They love Madden. I showed the game to them. They looked at it going, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah this is not going to – this is not something I would play unless it were with, with my uncle. Yeah. Well, and the, the kind of sad part with that, too, is EA Sports has a fairly large office in Burnaby, B.C., and they do the NHL out of there. They've done other big games out of out of that studio. So, you know, it would also help if they put CFL into Madden. Like you look at the FIFA games, you've got every league in the world in right. that one game. So, I don't I don't know if that's just because the 
partnership between the NFL and CFL has kind of, you know, hit, hit that fork in the road years ago and they haven't come back, but. Well, I think part of it is the NFL is the NFL and uh, unless uh, the NFL is not going to let the CFL come into play on their turf, unless they're compensated appropriately. So I don't, I don't foresee man ever. I don't see foresee man ever having a CFL add on though. Who's to say a, a company like Ubisoft, which if memory serves me correct, is based out of Montreal. Why can't they put a CFL game together? Yeah, now, there's a lot of options out there. Yeah. Um, I think I think it would be great if there was one. I think you could definitely get in there. And if the teams promoted a esports kind of league for it, you know, you look at the NHL, the, the Canucks have an esports team. Uh, other NHL franchises have an esports it's huge. And that's what the young people are into. They go and watch yeah. it on YouTube. They, you know, they follow all those guys that are, you know, the pro gamers. It's a huge industry right. back when, you know, when we were probably younger, we didn't think you'd be able to make money playing video games. And, you know, parents saying you're never going to make yourself make anything of yourself playing video games. Well, that's gone out the window these days. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a new world in which we live. And when I see esports, I think at one of my, I think it, I know at my cop, my old college, but I even know in the military, they have esports teams. So it is, it is the wave of the future. And, you know, I think if the CFL is to survive, they need to be part of that future. Yeah, they definitely need to, they need to reach out. It can't just be the yeah. same. The, the diehards are getting older in right. the CFL and it, you're not going to generate any new money that way. Right. Right. And I think fan control football was a good example of, even though fan control football is an experiment, but they put all the games on Twitch in order to, in order to survive, you've got to experiment with, with you, you have to change with the times. And I think the CFL is in a position now where I think they real, I, at least I'm hopeful that they realize that now is a time, if you're going to make a change and survive and thrive, you need to do things that other people are doing, like with fan control football, using Twitch, using the video game platforms, because without the, the new generation, the sport's going to die. Uh, absolutely and it'll, for it can't just be on tsn if it's just on tsn right. in canada then you're right it's not going to go anywhere because if you don't get the channel you're never going to see it right. right like tsn cut a whole bunch of their radio stations out so uh, tsn 1040 in vancouver is one of them mm-hmm. so now who's going to do the radio play-by-play so if you're at work on a game day and you would normally throw the game on the radio how are you getting that game now it, it, there's a lot of questions as to accessibility to hear or see your favorite team. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's old school thinking. Right. Grey Cup is only even on one channel in, in Canada when it's on, it doesn't even get onto CTV, which is part of uh, Bell media. Right. So, well, and I, I, that's a good point. And, and talking about, you know, old traditional radio versus what we're doing here with the podcast, it, we're, we're at a point in 2021, where we still use the old technology quite a bit, but we're we're brand, we're moving on, and you know, just look at our phones. Our phones are the reason why the CFL community is in a small community, but is as tight as it is, is because of we're leveraging the new technology to do our podcast to get the to get the news out, and I think the CFL were kind of smart about it and I've, I've mentioned this on other podcasts they would build their own cfl network their own cfl films their own cfl radio network the technology is there and really the technology does not cost that much to to market your product the way it should be marketed to grow the sport yeah you don't need to be a trailblazer in that industry to to do it you just need to follow the examples of others now it, yeah. it, it's there and, and very accessible. So it, uh, it there's a lot of work. I think even too, for how to help grow the league. And I've, I've said this with, with Trevor and I, we had John Hodge from three down nation on a while ago and said this to him off air. I think the way that the, the league markets itself for merchandise is, you know, a lot of people use the term broken business, you know, the business model is broken in the CFL right. and I will hundred percent 
get behind that on how they merchandise this league. Up here, Sport Check, which is a sporting goods store, has one of the big, they're the big sponsors. But you go in there and there's very little CFL gear at all, even for the home team. So here in Edmonton, you go in there, you get a few things here and there. You might get some Calgary, Saskatchewan's everywhere just because the Ryder fans are everywhere and in abundance. So right. you get those kind of things here in Edmonton. In BC, you'll get BC. That's it. Yeah. If- I know when I was in Quebec City, this is guy going on 19 years ago. My wife and I were up in Quebec City for American Thanksgiving. And I told her the one place I want to, st- I want to, while I'm here in Quebec City, I want to get some CFL merchandise. Well, that turned to be a little bit more of a task than I originally thought it was going to be. Downtown Quebec City. And I don't know if you've ever been to Quebec City. No, I haven't been there. Beautiful European, old, just very, very French. But there was a sporting goods store. And I walked in and it was like walking in to a store in the mall in the States, all NFL everywhere. And I asked, you got any CFL merchandise? There was one, it wasn't even a rack, it was half of a rack with only one Alouette's jersey that fit me. <laughs> and I'm an extra large. And uh, that was it. So yeah, I mean, you're merchandising. Yeah. If, yeah, I agree, I agree completely. They got to get it out there because if if I was a CFL and sport sports check is the, the you know the big sponsor for that kind of thing, you go to them and say, look, I want a wall, I want mm-hmm. a wall, and we're gonna put all nine teams up there. We're gonna sell the hats, we're gonna sell the jerseys, shirts. We're gonna have it there. And if they're not willing to do it, open your own stores in at least the cities you have a team, yeah. or and then into some outlier other communities that are nearby that will want the gear. If you do that, you're going to draw people. And if you give them the ability to purchase it, they will buy it if they price it right. Because right now they don't. If you go right. to, you can't go to cfl.ca or .com and try and buy any gear. There you can get CFL gear. You have to go to each individual team to purchase your gear. So if you got a family with fans of four different teams, that's mm-hmm. four different websites, four different uh, prices on the same thing you're buying. Yeah. And then four different shipping chargers. Right. It's, you know, there's a reason there's more NFL gear up here in Canada. It's because it's less expensive and easy to get. Like they yeah. charge more for if the Jersey has a name and two numbers. If it's a name and one number, it's less. Huh. Like it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. Huh. So you're looking at over $200 for a uh, two digit Jersey. Wow. Yeah. Then again, I haven't, pri- I haven't priced jerseys in a long time other than ones I've seen on clearance at a Marshall's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, well, I mean, an NFL jersey that looks like it would be worn in like a, a game yeah. type is 150 bucks. Yeah. In comparison. And it doesn't matter who it is or what, how many numbers it has on it. So the, the league has a lot of room to grow in that right. sense. Right. But hopefully they well, start you making ta- the steps. Yeah. Well, you were talking about, you know, just teams opening up their own stores. For the longest time, the Blackhawks in Chicago were not a popular team because they weren't on TV, except the road games. But when you had the late owner kick off and then the sun took over, that all changed. And not too far from the office where I work at downtown Chicago. I don't know if it's still there because of the pandemic, but prior to the pandemic, there was a giant Blackhawks store in downtown Chicago. And, you know, they started marketing the team and you you know, before the pandemic, United Center's always sold out and get a lot of new fans coming on who are hockey fans. Yeah. Whereas I grew up in a generation, we didn't have hockey because they weren't on TV. And when they were on TV, it was probably late at night and it was a road game and it was on a very high v- UHF channel. So, yeah, there, you know, there's a lot that can be done and we all know it should be done, but the question is, will it be done? Yeah, that's the big question right now is, are they willing to do what it takes uh, to, to turn it around? So there's a lot. I mean, and to be just going back to your Chicago Blackhawks one there, they're not too popular with myself either as a Canucks fan. So <laughs> <laughs> all the years of how they did the Canucks wrong in the playoffs, it, it still yeah. hurts. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I were talking before we started recording about the Cardinals versus the Seahawks, and I feel your pain. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happens in all sports. There's always those one team or two that just right. always gets you. Yeah. So the the league has come up with their plan for return to play. Um, looking at end of August, kind of or beginning of August. Do you think it's going to happen? Um, I'm taking a wait and see approach because, I mean, down here, they, the mask, and I'm sure you've heard, there is no mask mandate now. They said you don't have to wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated. But I look at the numbers elsewhere. So I'm looking at numbers in Japan now because my wife's Japanese and I'm looking and watching the news with her every morning and the numbers there are rising. And that's a society where wearing masks is part of the, the part of the societal fabric. If you get a cold, you wear a mask. It's just how the Japanese are, how Korean culture is. But the numbers there are rising. So seeing that over there, I'm not very hopeful that the plans that are in place now to resume play are going to come off as planned. Yeah, it- I'm with you. There's, it's until there's, uh, and it's a line that Kelly Bates used was until there's cleats on the field. It's a wait and see for myself as well because in BC they haven't. Uh, BC and Ontario right now are seem to be the two that are still hesitant to sign off on the the plan yeah. because their numbers are on the rise. Ours in Alberta are as well, but right. it's kind of par for the course that they would sign off on it. Um, regardless but in bc they're talking by late summer so hopefully august time that they may be able to allow to have some fans at events which is good news but until that actually happens until we see the numbers start going down i think it's a good start i think they may have to look at potentially starting the season without fans or if it's you know the red blacks and argonauts and the lions who can't have fans well Maybe they're playing a lot of road games and until that becomes a possibility. I don't think you can bubble the CFL for a couple teams, but yeah, until there's some cleats on the field, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it, I'm a little surprised that for a second year in a row, Randy Ambrosi went to the Canadian government and uh, asked for a loan bailout, whatever you want to call it. And didn't open the books again. He took a lot of heat for that on social media and rightfully so, not opening the books. If you or I went to a bank and said, "Hey, give me a loan," but no, you can't see my tax returns, they would throw. They would just. They would. They would not give us a loan. Oh, so. They'd laugh you out of the bank. <laughs> yeah, if the government did, I mean, I think the lineup in Ottawa would be uh, from Ottawa to the West Coast for people looking for free money without actually saying why they needed it. I, I don't know if I give him full blame on not opening the books because as all commissioners are they're representatives of the owners yeah that's what and i was gonna i was gonna say they 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 their their bosses are the nine owners who employ them yeah yeah, yeah. and and if if i'm the government i'm going to take a look at the books and say well hold on you have mlse as, as a entity that's within the cfl that has billions of dollars right why why are we giving you any money yeah uh, and yeah. that, that, so I, I, I don't know that it's fully him. He takes a lot of heat, but I don't know that it is a hundred percent deservedly so because he is a representative, I I not the head of an, a corporation. I agree. I, I, because you and I both know, having watched sports all these years, that the commissioner is more or less just the face of the league, but there's so much that goes on in the background that the commissioner cannot control, cannot. Yeah, they're doing many times the owner's bidding. With that said, yeah, it's not a good look though when you go in front of go to the government for a loan and say, yeah, but we, we're not going to show you the books. And he, I would have thought they would have known that going in. <laughs> yeah, I think he probably did, but you know, being probably told by the the owners, yeah. hey, go try and get some money. He went in there possibly tail tucked, knowing exactly what was going to happen in the outcome. Yeah. And, I, and, in, and in the CFL, and we've all seen this through the years, the CFL commissioner is not, as commissioners go, the strongest of commissioners compared to other sports. Whereas in the NFL, and I hate even using the example of the NFL because 
too many people, too many of my friends down here in the States compare the NFL, the CFL to the NFL all the time. And I hate doing that, but that is the one example to use, especially when I think it really applies, but in the NFL, the commissioner rule pretty much rules with an iron fist when it comes to a lot of things and on something like TV deals and, and money, it, all that runs through the commissioner's office. Now, why it's not like that in the CFL, I don't know, but yeah, I think, um, I think moving forward, the league is going to have to take a hard look at the commissioner post and say, we need to give the commissioner more power. Absolutely, to make decisions yeah. for the league. Yeah, because if you don't have that person in place, they're just they're a puppet. You're you're too involved already as it is as owners if you're doing this, you're doing that anyways. So if you're gonna have a commissioner, like you say with the NFL, kind of is the guy and is able to do more, let them run it. Let them put right. it in place, have someone that you believe is gonna have your best interest at heart and make you make you the money that you're looking to see and to put the best product on, on all nine fields. So I think definitely the, the commissioner needs to be, have a little more power to do what needs to get done. So kind of going into it, that goes with, he took a lot of heat over when he announced the CFL and XFL, were going to talk. And, you know, there was a lot of heat on that, but again, that kind of, I'm thinking it comes from the owners. When you heard about the CFL and XFL talking, what were your thoughts on it? And was there a lot of buzz in the States about it? There wasn't a lot of buzz in the States about it. I, that much I know, because when I watch the sports news down here, there's no t- The only time any Canadian teams are mentioned is either the Blue Jays or any of the hockey teams. So that's it. So there was really no buzz down here. You did see every now and then something pop up on a website. Oh, the CFL and the XFL are talking. It didn't surprise me. Now, my background in terms of just, I spent 30 years in the military. So I know when I, when I heard that, much like the weapons of mass destruction debate in Iraq, well, there were no weapons of mass destructions, mass destruction. Well, I knew that just sitting on my couch. So when it came to the CFL, talking to the XFL, I kind of figure they probably were talking because looking long-term, looking long-term with the CFL, they need a partner. I mean, it's just, just the financial, the financials. And you and I, when we watch TV, we watch the games, we can see clearly in Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal, there's a problem. And not having people in the stands, while TV ratings are great, it's... When we're watching the games, we're all thinking, why aren't there more people in the stands? So to hear that they were talking with the XFL did not surprise me at all. Matter of fact, I was of the opinion going, well, it's about time. They're talking with somebody to make the product better. Yeah, I know for, and and both Trevor and I kind of took the stance of wait and see what comes out of it. Yeah. Because it, it was all that came out of it and everyone went straight to a merger. Right. Is we're having talks on, a, on, we're having talks to have talks. Yeah. Right. That's what it was. It was two essentially businesses having a conversation to see what can be done to maybe help each other out. Right. And, and everyone ran with it. And the diehard fans in Canada, the CFL, went absolutely nuts. Like it, it just, it was the end of the world. Uh, the sky was falling. And, there was so many people, whether it was uh, on the Facebook groups or Twitter that were going off saying, if the CFL and XFL merge and we lose any of our rules, I'm done. I'd rather see the league fold and watch any of that. Well, yeah, I, that, that's a bit harsh because it, to me, that that's, it's kind of like you're that five-year-old who put a game of football together. You're on the losing side. So you take the ball and go home, right? Like yeah. you got to grow. You got to, change helps you grow and get better like you can't stay the same yeah yeah and and change change is always inevitable we all know that growing up we've seen our game both north and south of the border evolve over the years and it kind of reminded me with the debate up there saying i'm you know 
if they take away the three down game, I'm done. Kind of reminded me down here about the whole national anthem debate and taking a knee and people I heard here going, Oh, I'm done with football. I am. I'm done. I no, that's just the way the game is. The game reflects not only it's not just a game. It also reflects society in general. And the game over the years, the game is not the same game that we grew up with. At least I'm in my fifties now. So you know, when I grew up with the game, I first started watching football. It, guys wore single bar face masks and there, <laughs> and there was no, pay, you know, and the quarterback was not protected well, and we did not have the Mel Blount, Mel Blount rule in, in effect. So it's evolved over the years. But with, when it came up with the third, about the XFL CFL merger, my thought was nobody has said we are merging. Now, it depends where you, and again, this is where social media is bad because you get in that echo chamber and everybody gets start, everybody starts getting spun up. And talk radio doesn't help. I mean, for a while after all this broke, I was listening to Rod Peterson. And while I love Rod's show, yeah, it, it really it kind of, it spun, it spun a lot of people up that I didn't think, you know, it, I, I think it was just a little bit too much in terms of, Let's just wait and see what happens. I know, and again, I know what, you know, sports radio talk show hosts, that's their job to talk and, 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 and you know, kind of pontificate. And, and I understand that, but the bottom line is nobody has ever said that they were going to merge. And, you know, how many months are we? Almost two months now since they broke. We don't know any more than what we knew on that first day that they were talking. Well, for about a month, it was just crazy, not nonstop. And now it's kind of, it's gone away. It's almost like people have forgotten about it. I think people are burned out with the speculation. I really am. I know I am. Yeah. I um, was talking back and forth on Twitter with uh, one of the podcast hosts. And he just finally said, he goes, I am done speculating on this. Let's move on to something else until we know something. Let's, let's, let's talk about something else. Cause it's, it's not good for any of us as fans of the CFL to keep going round and round, getting worked up over something we lit- we truly have no control over. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny when the big thing is all speculation, there was no meat to any of it. And people are talking about no change. Well, if you wanted no change in the CFL, we'd have like you say, you know, the old days when you had single bar helmets, we'd have no forward pass in the CFL because that's how right. it started out. You know, I, I look at leagues that have made some substantial change. And I look at the NHL. The NHL went from having win-loss ties, five on five, 10 minutes, like, you know, the overtime, five minutes. Now it's four on four. Now it's three on three. And now mm-hmm. we got a shootout. I, I don't think there was anyone that turned off the TV and walked away from hockey because they made that change. You know, all sports evolve, all sports change. And that's how you stay current. That's how you get that new fan base. And yeah, you know, I, I, I love the rules in the CFL because I will, you know, the wife's working nights. Then I, I, during the season, I'll, I'll watch every game that's on television. You know, if she's home, I'm not going to subject her, subject her to that, but uh, at least the BC lions, she's got to watch that one with me, but I'll watch all the games because the, the games are exciting. The three downs, the, the, the play clock, everything about it. It's an exciting game. It's, and it's very- to me, to me, it's not only an exciting game, but to me, it's more exciting for a couple of reasons. Hey, number one, it's in Canada. Cause I love Canada. Second of all, the guys that are playing are not millionaires. They're working. They're guys that are lunch that, that literally lunch pay lunch pail players. They're working class shows and they're playing for the love of the game, hoping to get noticed by the NFL, but you watch the commitment, you watch the effort put in on the CFL field. I don't see that same type of commitment and effort on the NFL field. I just, I think there's more of a passion from the players for the game of football, whether it be three or four down up in Canada than down here with the guys who have made it and, you know, their football is their only job. Whereas in Canada, the guys that play in the CFL have to hold jobs elsewhere. Yep. So to me, it's, it's, it, the CFL reflects 
to me, something that I've always loved about the sport of professional football, at least professional football history, it reflects that earlier time when the guys worked, you know, your Johnny Unitas's. I just finished up reading several books on Unitas, but you know, Johnny Unitas had a whole had to have a second job. He did not get rich from the sport. He was a working guy. And much like all those players back in the day for the Baltimore Colts and back prior to the seventies, they all had to have second jobs. And to me, when I watch CFL games, I watch those games knowing that those guys on the field at some point are probably going to be working on the off season at another job somewhere. And so I I can relate more to them, I guess. Yeah. So with the XFL, like, did you like you follow that as as much the last season here? Well, the last time, okay, <laughs> my uh, my seventeen year old nephew, and I'm going to use the AAF and the XFL kind of combined here. My seventeen year old nephew, well, at the time I think he was fifteen, but he was all excited. AAF, Uncle Greg, excited about AAF. This is pretty good. I go, son. I know how this story is going to end, so I'm not getting too attached to it. Sure enough, within a week, it was gone. Now, the XFL, kind of the same deal, but when the XFL was playing, I had a lot of military commitments going on for those months that, those five weeks that they actually played, that I didn't pay attention to it. And by the time I, you know, by the time the pandemic started and my active duty time was up, it was gone. So I never, I had no time to get invested to it, but with that said, I know the XFL 2.0 was completely different than the first version 20, 20 years ago. Yeah, and I think I kind of – I didn't get a chance to watch a lot. I did watch some. And in the early season, the quality wasn't quite there. But I, I did like the fact that it wasn't the same as the first version. Because the first version was very – call it what it was, very WWE – it was very, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The showmanship was there. And I, I think, you know, and I, I, kudos for Vince for giving it a shot because, yeah, I think he always wanted that NFL team. And when they said no and he couldn't get in, he went, fine, I'll make my own league. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was more for show than it was for actual football. And I think in 2.0, he took that step back and let maybe more football minds get involved. Yeah. And I, because I actually liked, I don't like, I can't stand watching an NFL game for kickoffs. Like it's just pointless at this, at this stage now, just start every team on the 20, 25 and let them go because right. it's, it's always going through the end zone. Yeah. I actually yeah. really liked what the XFL did for their kickoffs and punts. It's safer and you still get the opportunity to see that exciting play because there's nothing more exciting than a kickoff for a return for a touchdown or a punt returned for a touchdown. Those are exciting to, you know, plays to watch. And I think they did a good job with that to try and make it safer, make it more enjoyable, something different. And their extra point rule too was, it was interesting, but brings a little more excitement and a little more, Oh, what are they going to do here to the game as a, well, they're going to kick a single. Right. Well, in talking about that with the newer leagues, the other leagues, the NFL is always stolen from the other leagues, whether it be the two point conversion, whether it be the sky cam. And that's what I like, liked about watching when I did watch the XFL games, seeing those, those new, those new wrinkles to the game. I think the Rouge would be awesome in the NFL. Now, would they ever implement it? Probably not. But I think if the XFL and the CFL merged or, kind of you know, became popular, you'd see the NFL start taking ideas away going, yeah, maybe we should, maybe we should do the Rouge. Yeah. Now, well, they, they, the one thing they would not do, obviously, is lengthen the field, but I could also see the, the NFL at some point going, we need to widen the field a little bit more. But again, I think that's dependent upon the, um, the recept, if, if the CFL, moving forward, if the CFL and the XFL, whether they merge or align or whatever you want to call it, but if they notice that other people are paying attention to the CFL and XFL, I guarantee you the NFL will start borrowing ideas. Yeah. Now the single point, I, I like the single point for rewarding a punter who can knock it. You know, I think there needs to be a little change with that in that if you're on your side of the 55 and you can punt it through the end zone, 
we'll give you the point because right. the punters should get rewarded for having I agree. the ability to boot the ball down the field like that. I think I think that is a great rule because you know what you just knocked it to a point where they can't return it. So right. Here's well, the, the punter the punter is the only guy in the field that realistically will never score a point, and at least in American football. Yeah. And I think if you want, yeah, the, the Rouge is a great rule. I agree. And it makes the punter a more valuable player. Yep. Absolutely. I think, like, I like it. I think on a missed field goal, I mean, I think that's, you maybe lose it on that one just because it's so, unless there is a distance, like if you're, you know, trying to kick a 50 plus field goal, sure. But if you're within, uh, you know, within 30, maybe not because it's, yeah, should be able to get that. Yeah, like, I think there's some things that I would like to see in the NFL. If the NFL adopted some of the CFL rules, I would definitely watch a lot more, 100%. Yeah. Because the teams are, you do have your powerhouse teams and your your bottom feeders in the CFL. But on any given game day, the last right. place team can beat the first place team. And I don't see that as often in the NFL. And you kind of go into the week going, well, that's a gimme, that's a gimme, that's a gimme. Well, the game I get on TV, probably not going to be very exciting. And that's, I think, where if you brought that in, you could make the games a little more exciting. Yeah. But in the NFL, the big money teams are going to be able to get those big money players and mm-hmm. the, the wealthy stay wealthy in that sense. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah. So the, the CFL that we're you know, talking about potential, whatever's going to happen with the CFL, XFL, the CFL has already made a venture into the United States. What was your thoughts when it came? And I, how viable is the CFL in the U S is there interest in the league to make it work? I honestly don't think that there's enough interest down here to make the CFL work. It it didn't work 30, what 25 years ago, except in one city. And that was, and the only reason it worked in Baltimore was because there was a perfect storm happening between the baseball strike, the Colts being gone the fact Memorial Stadium was still available. So you had a perfect storm down there, but it, elsewhere it failed. And a lot of it had to do with American apathy. And Americans, you know, and this frustrates me as a CFL fan. Americans see the see the sports world through the American lens. Whereas our product is the most superior of anything. And that is very frustrating as somebody who follows the CFL religiously but who also loves football, whether it be four down, three down, arena, or six-man football. And so it's for, but I don't think, at least on without outside assistance, saying with without the with the XFL, there's a chance that the CFL could succeed, succeed down here. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It, did it have anything to do with the the cities they went into? Was it or yeah. was it? Oh okay. yeah. 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 Well, back way back when you look at the cities they went into and they, they went into certain cities, not doing their market research. Like why would you go put a CFL team in Vegas and play in Vegas in July? You know, I, I for the last five years, I spent one week in every month in Phoenix, whether it be in the summer or that. And, I, and I've, I've dealt, you know, that's the same kind of, it's <laughs> the same kind of heat. In Vegas, that you would have in Phoenix, you would. It's crazy to put a team, a, a team that plays starts their season in the summer, to put them in the desert. Now the other markets, again with the exception of Baltimore, but I don't know if anybody did their market research, and I guess that's kind of my question is, if the two leagues do say a line, are they going to do their market research first? before doing any of it. For example, okay, Chicago does not did not have an XFL team. And honestly, thank God they didn't because the market here is it's either you've got two baseball teams. Again, you have the Bears and they play downtown. But the XFL did not the first version of the XFL did not work here. When the Bears had a USFL team, it didn't work here. The World League team didn't work here. So, I don't know. I think it would. it's going to be a tough sell in the States no matter what what town you go into. 
And the first time around with the CFL, they just put teams down in, in, in cities where people had money to pay the expansion fee. There was no really thought going into, I mean, look at Memphis. Yeah. You, know, you try to cram a CFL stadium and a stadium that can't fit a CFL field. Nobody thought that far ahead. Yeah. And then we got, you had Shreveport and, uh, yeah, we meet Birmingham. It, it just it seemed like they were trying to avoid the NFL at all costs yeah. by going in where they went. Now, a lot of the, the XFL teams now are in major cities. Right. You would have a team in Los Angeles. Uh, you would have Seattle, New York. If, if you stayed with the current XFL cities, or would that be something viable now? I think if you stayed with the current, the current XFL cities, but also – it may be, you know, like a team in L.A. Do you really need to put a team in L.A.? Maybe move that team that's in L.A. down to San Diego because yeah, they don't I was just going to say that. Now, you got to have a team in New York because we all know you got to have a team in New York. That's just how it is. But I th- part of this is, too, the stadium issue because if we're going to do XFL versus, you know, XFL, CFL, there's got to be an accommodation on the field. So the question is, where are you going to go that can kind of sort of fit a CFL stadium? And the only place you're really going to at least get the width requirement is in a soccer stadium. Much like at BMO Field, if memory serves me correct, didn't they have to modify the field at BMO Field before the Argonauts moved in? Yeah, because that was strictly built for soccer. So there was no consideration for that. I know the BC Lions, when they were having the BC Play Stadium renovated for the new roof, they put up a temporary field that could accommodate both the white caps and right. the, uh, the lions, but you were right on top of them. You were right on top of the action, which was kind of nice. Yeah. But yeah. It was a uh, very, very uh, close knit. You were very, you were very yeah. right on top of the play, which was interesting. Right. And I think as we move forward as you know, talking about changing, changing the game, you know, the, everybody talks about the, the three down, versus four down but to me the bigger issue is field size and how do you how do you make both sides happy on and I think to me personally I think you shrink the field at least lengthwise keep the width and honestly you keep 12 man three down football because the other part of this is how do you as a league differentiate differentiate yourself from football in general um Scott, uh, Scott Adamson and I talked on our first podcast just about the CFL and just kind of how we viewed it. And he, he made a comment and then I've had other friends of mine on other podcasts say this to, to us, the CFL is almost like a completely different sport because of the nuances. Yes. It's foot. It's much like arena football. It's, it's, it's football, but it's different. And those differences are what makes the sport that we love the sport we love. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, for myself, I'm one of those, I love the game the way it is, but if it changes, it changes. I will still watch because I, I am a CFL fan. I am a BC lions fan, but I I will still watch whatever, you know, version comes out of all of this. I'm still going to be a fan, but yeah, the CFL has a lot of rules that makes it very special and very unique. Yeah. But well, there's a very Canadian, it's a Canadian game and that's what I love being. I mean, I, you know, I've always loved watching Canadian teams. But when, with when that, the Cubs I, played the Expos, I always made sure I tuned in because I wanted to hear the Canadian anthem. So that's that's yeah. me. Yeah, but to play the other side of the coin of that, though, not necessarily that I say believe it. Does the Canadian rules and the what, what the CFL does does it limit? it's marketability because they want to say it's the, you know, they bring in the CFL 2.0 where they're bringing in all these players from different countries and areas of the world, but we're the only ones doing it. I know uh, Derek Dennis, he's with Edmonton. Now he said for himself, watching really good players come from Canada when he was in the, you know, going through the NFL, they struggled to, to come and do that crossover. So someone who was a standout in, you know, say offensive lineman in the CFL is probably gone after two weeks of training camp in the NFL because they just can't, the rules are too different. Yeah. Are the rules too unique to make it marketable outside of Canada? I don't think so. I honestly don't think so because 
The NFL, I mean, when people compare the NFL to CFL, it's like comparing apples to oranges. The CFL is its own brand, brand of football. And the guys that play in the CFL, just from what I've seen and what I know, are much better conditioned athletes than the guys in the NFL. Because you have to, when you've only got, you've got a longer, wider field and you've got a shorter time period between plays. Yeah, it just, it's a different type of, so I, to answer your question, I think it could work down here, but it boils down to marketing. It boils down to planning. It boils down to a lot of things, including money. So that kind of leads into the next part that I wanted to talk to you about is how accessible is the CFL television wise in the United States? Okay. That's uh, well, the CFL games are available through ESPN. Before the college season kicks in most CFL games, there's at least one CFL game on regular cable TV on ESPN. If you really want, if you're really, if you're like me and you really love the CFL and one, and not only do you really, really love the CFL, but also love college football in general, you're going to get the ESPN plus package. And that's got everything, but everything's streamed now. And that's the other part of it. I mean, cable, and I don't know if it's the same, I'm guessing it's probably the same in Canada, but I know down here in the States, cable, cable subscriptions, you know, whether it be satellite or cable, I'm using the term interchangeably here. Those are dwindling. Everybody's going to streaming services. So, you know, you look at just say 20 years ago when we, on both sides of the border, when we wanted to watch a game, it had to be on TV. Well, it's not the same anymore. You go to YouTube. I mean, living in the 20, I tell my wife, living in the 21st century is awesome because I can turn on YouTube and watch a game, a football game out of Japan that nobody else is watching and I can watch it for free. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. costs me nothing. And, you know, I mean, there, if you're going to make money from, if you're going to make money as a league, there's a way to make money off of streaming, you know, streaming your games. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. the NFL does that. Yeah. And the, the CFL uh... does it. And the CFL does it down here with the ESPN plus package. So the game's down and I'd answer your question. I apologize. I'm kind of going a long way around. Oh, no worries. This, but no worries. If, if you're like me and like other, other Americans down here who love the CFL, you're going to, you're going to pay for the ESPN plus package and it doesn't cost that much i mean i'd have to look at my kid my bill because it's all charged you know talking about technology and how great technology is it's all charged in my phone so it's just one press of the, a thumbprint and i get my espn plus for the year so it's accessible but i mean 20 years ago before the internet forget it you couldn't watch a cfl game the only way you could watch a cfl game is if you lived in a border town like okay. detroit yeah and I, I kind of wondered about that because, you know, we talked to TJ Lee, who kind of grew up, played football in uh, Washington State, so close to the border with BC and where the Lions are. And Derek Dennis, he he grew up in New York. Those guys didn't know about the CFL until they were, well, TJ Lee was coming out of university. And one of his coaches said, hey, contact this guy. He's a, he's a scout guy in, in the CFL. Derek Dennis didn't know until he was in the NFL and someone had said, I told him about it. So that's kind of wondering about the accessibility because it just seems like even the players that are coming out of, you know, college or in the, the U S don't know that the CFL is an option uh, until it's a lot later in life. So I was, well, and I think part, and I think part of that is, is it just depends upon your upbringing. Like for me, I knew about the CFL cause I hung out on a library as a kid after school. So I was always looking at sports books, but I'll use my net, my nephew as an example. He didn't know who Joe Namath was and he's a huge football fan and we're at the pro football hall of fame and he just didn't know. Now that, that did prompt a very funny response for me. And uh, <laughs> I, t- I told him straight up, I go, dude, I'm so going to smack you. And other <laughs> people were looking around going a lot of dads, not in my head, but it's, it has to do just with awareness. And if you're not exposed to something, you're not going to know about it. I mean, people down here, they, they maybe have heard of the CFL. And if you mentioned Canadian football, they think it's prim- primarily Canadians playing the game, not realizing that, you know, mo- 
all the rosters are are stocked with Americans. Yeah. So does ESPN then with the plus package, do they do a good job of promoting the CFL? I, I think they do, but with that said, it's ESPN and they've got, it's like 30, it's like Baskin Robbins. They got 31 flavors of sports on there. And unless you know what you want, my cop, I mean, I went to a, I went to Western Illinois for, for college and unless the only, unless I want to watch Western play, I have to go, I mean, I have to go look for it on ESPN plus. It's not like they're publicizing it on there, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, to answer your question, no, it's not, it's not really publicized, but it is available if you know what you're looking for and you know what you want. Okay. So kind of getting to maybe not necessarily CFL question around football, but big question I, I kind of for myself and Trevor and I have kind of had the conversation. Why does the spring football not work in the U S is it, potentially the talent available to the teams? Is it too much, too many other things going on or oversaturation? Uh, I think of all the things, probably maybe oversaturation might be it. Because I know for me, after the Super Bowl, you know, winter is really starting to set in down here as it is up in Canada. And I I just think it's, I, I just, Part of it's marketing too, because I mean the USFL, whether whether people want to admit it or not, was succeeding way back when. But you know, obviously there were other reasons besides viewership that caused that league to fail. I just part of it, I just think it is that you got people that tune out of football right after the Super Bowl. You've got other people that shift their focus to other sports. But knowing, looking back on history, I mean, even if you look at what the XFL did and even the AAF, people were watching those games. Now, the first version of the XFL, not so much, but the AAF and you know XFL 2.0, there were people tuning in. And those, and the way they 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 marketed those those leagues, they didn't actually they did a pretty decent job. The problem with though, at least with the AF is it was underfunded, wasn't funded at all. And obviously the XFL, you know, a pandemic killed that pretty much. Yeah. So would it be smart or wise of the NFL to use that as a potential development league for some of these guys that, you know, spent a year or the past two, three years on a practice roster to help see what they really got like you would think they would but you know talking about spring football nfl europe they look continually continuously lost money on that mm. but with that said you know the nfl if the nfl wanted to buy both leagues and and make developmental leagues out of them they would i mean you think about it just yeah you know, you've got one player on one NFL team making more in one year than what all the CFL teams are paid for from a, t- a TV package. Yeah. So I think I think part of it is up down here is if the NFL wanted to do it, they would have done it already. Why don't they do it? God only knows. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I just kind of for what seems to be, you know. People love their football, whether it's college, NFL, whatever, that these leagues that continuously try over and over just continue to have such issues getting getting going. Like, yeah. You know, I'm sure there's enough diehards out there that would love for football to be year round. And right. this is kind of a, a head scratcher. Yeah. And you know what? Going back to what you said about college. I mean, there is a, part of the reason why the NFL doesn't have a developmental league is they already have one. It's, it's the college level. Because they've changed their rules, right? Guys can't come straight out of college now they've got a, or they've got a, sorry, not out of college. They've got to spend so many years before they can get drafted. I I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what the eligibility rules are, but I mean, I, if I recall, I mean, there've been a few instances where guys have only been in college two years and have jumped ship to the NFL gone into the draft. I think part of it, I think it boils down to if the NFL wanted to take these kids out of high school, they would, but they're using the NFL, the, the college game, college, you know, it's kind of a developmental league 
So while they're taking them before they graduate, they're the last thing I think the NFL wants to do is 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 you know do what the NBA has done and taking kids right out of high school. Yeah, yeah, because that uh, I think they've even changed that as well with uh, their draft rules. Because I know it came up in one of the conversations we had where the XFL was being used was you were still able to go if you say didn't finish college or the number of years weren't up, you could go into the XFL and still be eligible to be drafted into the NFL. I think last year there was a, someone that was taken in the fourth round that was taken out off of an XFL team because they didn't have the, they didn't spend the time in college and, and the years. So it, uh, yeah, I was just kind of wondering about that. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah, the, the NFL has their own development. When I've had this conversation with other people, but we always talk about, well, the college, well, the, there's, college is the developmental league for pro sports here in the States. And I don't know how, I don't know how the NFL would be- benefit from a developmental league at, at this point with the NFL being so powerful and, you know, being so powerful as it is. Yeah. So kind of going over your, your overall football experiences, what are some of the, the best experiences you've had as a football fan? And do you have any bucket list games or stadiums that you want to go to? Well, for me, bucket list stadiums and games are all the CFL stadiums. Those are all. And in terms of my favorite pro football, I'm going to use just favorite pro pro football memory. Cause I'll be honest, the pro games I've gone to have all been for lack of a better term, dog games. I've never gone to a pro football game where it's been, you know, it's, it's been a nail biter. And the one NFL game that I remember the crowd really being into it was a Cardinals bears preseason game back in, I think it was, yeah, I think it, yeah, it was 06. And uh, Rex Grossman was playing a horrible game and the bears fans were calling for Brian Greasy and me being a huge Bob Greasy fan growing up. I got I'm like, oh, cool. I get to see, you know, get to see junior play a game. So for me, that was the one pro football memory that I have that I always, you know, really remember. But in terms of just general pro football itself, a couple things stand out. That, that was when 1977, when I really became a fan, I was 10 years old, watching the Dolphins and Cardinals play. Now, at that time, I was a huge Bob Greasy fan because I had the same dorky glasses that he wore in 77 and I watched him torch the Cardinals for I think it was yeah it was six touchdowns and Conrad Dobler tossing his game his helmet into the stands out of frustration in that game now I don't remember where the Thanksgiving dinner was at but I just remember that game in that moment and the other my other favorite pro football moment now I'm a Cardinals fan and I live in live in Chicago People forget they they were originally a South Side, Chicago South Side team. But and this was the year after, year or two after I got back from Iraq, and one of the guys I was deployed with was still is a huge diehard Packer fan. And there was a Cardinals Packers playoff game where the Cardinals won in overtime, and uh, my buddy was all ticked off about it. He goes, "What about that face mask?" You know, when um, Rodgers, when the Cardinals, you know, recovered the fumble and ran it in for a touchdown, I go, dude, I did not see it. I was too busy celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you watch it later. Clearly there was a face mask. But, you know, to me, if the Packers lose, and it doesn't matter if the Bears beat the Packers or the Cardinals beat the Packers. If the Packers lose, even if they like when um, Tampa Bay beat them, and I'm not a huge, I'm not a Tom Brady fan at all, but I was a Tom Brady fan, you know, that day going, yes. So, yeah, my memories, you know, a lot of my memories are, are Packer losses. And I don't know why, but, you know, a lot of my good friends are Packers. That's a fun thing about football, just smack talking. Oh, yeah. Tre- Trevor's a huge Calgary Stampeders fan. So he and I go at it all the time. I, the only team we have in common is the Toronto Blue Jays. Otherwise, it's my Vancouver sports teams versus his Calgary sports teams. And, yeah, that, that's that's sports. So you can be best friends with someone and despise the, their their favorite team. Well, and you know, you think about it, just in the day and age, especially down here in the states, living in the era that we're living in now, 
I'd much rather, you know, sports is the one thing that brings us all together. It doesn't matter if you're left or right, blue or blue or red or blue. Doesn't matter who you voted for. Sports is the one thing that brings us all together. And that's something we need more, I think, more than ever nowadays. Because especially in the last 14 months, 14, yeah, I've lost track. I think 15 months now. Uh, either way, but in the last, at least last year, sports has been the one thing that has brought us it gives us a break from all the crap that's going on. Absolutely. It, it, it brings a little bit of normal back for sure. It does. Yeah. It does. So that's why, you know, hopefully the CFL is going to play because I mean, you're, you're like me, I'm sure I want some of that normal back. Absolutely. Yeah. So before we let you go, you got your podcast uh, from the 50 yard, 55 yard line. What was the, uh, the inspiration for getting that going? Well, way back when, you know, before you and I started recording, we were talking about, podcasting in general well the first podcast i ever listened to was lanny and scotty out of um out of tokyo the two guys in one great cup tokyo's unofficial cfl podcast i found them one day i was looking for something listening to listen to them it's a great show unfortunately they haven't had a show since the pandemic started and i just kept listening to podcasts your podcast going you know turf district and I started getting active on Twitter. And at some point last year, I once my military commitment ended, my reserve military commitment ended, I go, you know what? I'd like to like to do the podcast thing because I like to talk football. But you know, being here in Chicago, there's nobody to talk Canadian football with. So, so and uh, made friends with Scott Adamson, who's a retired sports writer out of Birmingham, wrote a great, you know, wrote extensively on the CFL when the Birmingham Barracudas were down there. Um, published author. So him and I, you know, connected through Twitter. It's like, hey, let's do a let's do a podcast. But we wanted to do, we wanted to figure out for both of us, we were talking about, well, what are we going to talk about? Because everybody's, you know, everybody's kind of covering a base, whether it be a team or a genre or a niche. And I go, nobody's doing CFL history. Let's do that. And we hooked up with uh, Arnie Chapman over at the Sports History Network, showed us the ropes, how to get started. So that's that's where we're at. So we're doing our show is from the 55 yard line, which is on the sports history network. But with also with that, we also have CFL America radio, which is our episodes from the 55 yard line, plus other stuff I found in the public domain that I've kicked out there, whether it be old games, documentaries. So if you subscribe to CFL America radio, just by itself, you're going to get the documentaries and from the 55 yard line, but you can also just subscribe to from the 55 yard line itself. And it's on any place you can get a podcast, Apple, Spotify, and that's for both. Yeah, no, I've uh, checked out from the 55 yard line, enjoyed it. It was good. Uh, can't wait to hear some more. Um, but yeah, so you mentioned the place, your Twitter is uh, at CFL America. Correct. Is there anywhere else uh, our listeners can find you and the information other than and well, CFL, in terms of websites, it's cflamerica.ca. In terms of podcast, we have cfl-radio-ca, I'm sorry, .ca, cfl-radio.us, and wcfl.us. And the last one is kind of an homage to an old radio station here in Chicago that was called WCFL. Right on. Great. We really want to th- thank you for coming on. This has been a great, uh, great chat about, you know, the CFL. Whenever I get to do that, it's a, uh, it's a good day. So really appreciate you coming on today. Oh, well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Not a problem. That's our show for the week. I uh, we want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll be back next week with, uh, with some more sports content for you. So keep listening in. Thanks for tuning in everyone.